Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week, I sit down once again with Dan and Adrian. We have a great conversation. The topic this week is why people leave. And the fact that people don't leave companies, they leave leaders. And why every leader should understand that that is the case. I also, once again, want to make you aware we have a Revenant process coming up in Nashville the end of June. It's getting full. Um, and we would love to have you there. You can go to wearerevenant.com or click on the link in the show description and register there. Spots are filling fast. They won't be there forever. Uh, So go do that now, and we'll see you in Nashville. Now, let's dive into the conversation. Dan, Adrian, it's so good to be with you today. Let's dive right into this topic that we have today. Um, you know, Adrian, you put an a Instagram post up or a, a social media post up that I found really intriguing. And it's a lot around the great resignation, why people are leaving organizations or why people leave organizations in general. And it's such a huge topic about retaining talent. We've talked about, we've had a whole series of episodes where the life, you know, the life cycle of talent and one of those episodes is all about why people leave. Um, I wanted to revisit it because I love the angle that you took in this post. And so let's, let's dive right in and talk about why it is that people leave an organization. The way I want to start with that is talking about the uh, great resignation. Um, this idea that, you know, people are leaving corporations at an unprecedented, an unprecedented rate. I haven't seen actual statistics behind this. I hear a lot about it happening. Um, and I think, you know, you two have such a unique perspective being involved with so many different corporations, right? So you get a, a larger sample size than most people get. Um, just wondering what it is that you're seeing. What is the great resignation? Yeah, um, I have definitely seen it, definitely seen it from the ground. I mean, I think in general, my the first thing that comes to mind is that um, crisis in general reveals where people are. And we see this in ourselves, like whenever something doesn't go the way I want, like all of my, um, all my natural, like are hidden or um, things I was unaware of started coming to the table. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know I was that in that, that much tension. Or you see in your family in moments of transition, people kind of uh, take their, their places or like in organizations, this happens as well. So it's like anytime, anytime. So crisis naturally turns up the temperature and the two things happen in that context. One is people are more prone to go towards survival, which is like, like higher level of self-interest. And also people are then also called into taking stock. And this is sub, I think this is subconscious first taking stock of what matters most to them, what's most meaningful. So Mm -hmm. as a culture globally, you know, the, the uh, COVID crisis, um, you know, generated a whole environment where people's normal was shifted and that revealed people to themselves. Like they were literally, you know, they weren't, they were closer to their family than they'd been for a long time. Some of that was great. Some of that wasn't great. Um, they were farther there, you know, they weren't as close to their work families they had been before. 
And it generated this, I think this question, like what's most meaningful for me. And I think it broke up a lot of the, a lot of the naivete that companies thought they had some loyalty, but once people actually got a fresh opportunity to wonder about what mattered most to them and probably saw how their company maybe didn't handle the distance um, like they wish they would, or the obscurity, the, uh, uh, how do I want to say that? With the, the lack of proximity heightened the obscurity, meaning like the, the strategy, let's say the strategy wasn't as clear, but when we're next to each other all day or in meetings all day, or, you know, hanging out for lunch, that kind of thing, it was okay because we had this kind of really, uh, you know, we're hanging out all the time. And so there's other things that kept us connected and like the goals and the outcomes and the group commitments um, could be at an 80% level instead of a hundred percent level. So we kind of got away with it. But now when I'm not seeing the people that I'm seeing on a regular basis, and it's easier to use the remote work as the reason for stunted communication, which I hear people saying all the time, it's like, it's hard to connect over zoom. You can't really know over zoom all that kind of song and dance which I think is a racket. It's not, I don't think it's, I mean, it's what we use to justify not expressing ourselves instead of saying, oh, I can be as present on Zoom as I ever was before, or maybe even more. Maybe why I wonder if I could be even more present on Zoom. Mm. So anyway, that I, everybody was asking themselves naturally more human questions. Like what's really most meaningful for me? And I think to, to uh, one of the, one of the uh, bullet points of this conversation is, how connected am I to the people that I'm working next to? And if I had distance from these people, was I still as connected as I was before? And are they worth reconnecting with? That, that goes along with it because there was a change in mechanism of the relationship. So it revealed maybe some, some disconnection. And do I want to you know, regain the connection? And I think a lot of people said no. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I don't care as much about this company as I thought I did. And I don't, I'm enjoying not being around that person that I used to be around. So, uh, and I don't want to go back and there's, there's tons of, you know, challenge right now with like coming back to work, a hybrid society and how often we do this and who's going to be in the office when. And, and um, anyway, that's generated all these conversations where people are reimagining what they want to spend their life doing. And so they've un detached from um, some of the previous, um, uh, what, what I call it, um, obligations. Mm. So that's, that's interesting, right? That they're reevaluating what's important to them, what they're willing to sacrifice for, how they're willing to stay plugged in and connect connected, you know, to stay connected over a remote team requires a very different approach than to stay connected with a local team or somebody that you see by default every day, you walk past their desk, you walk past their office. It, it takes a different. So do I want to, it takes maybe more choice or more intention about that connection. There's a, a 2015 Gallup study that says people leave organization. They leave, sorry, people leave leaders or managers. 75% um, of people leave managers and leaders, not companies. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And that was kind of the, that was the basis of the post that you made, Adrian. Dan, as you hear that, of course, it's not the first time you've heard that, but is, is, I mean, 
my, my, the question I want to ask is that, does that surprise you? I already know the answer. It's loaded, but I want to just lead you into what, what is that illuminating? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that come up. I think it's, I think it's a really complex situation that uh, boils down to some basic principles as Adrian was punching in a couple of them. I think another, some other basic principles are if I haven't bothered to understand how the interests of those I work with connect to what we are doing directly. When they have time to reflect, they will not see the value of remaining. That's one. In other words, if I, let's say I value having my opinions, like a high value of mine is having, having my opinions valued by the team. I have a high value around wanting to be informed. I have a high value around being recognized or being developed or you know, wanting to advance in the company. And if, if I'm involved with a manager or a leader who doesn't really give a shit except for having me be a tool, I might put up with that for the pay. I might be, you know, for a while, I might find a way to live like that. But then when you know, we go into COVID and we go into lockdown, I start to wonder, what was I really doing there? You know, I, what game was I really playing? Is that really worth what limited time I have left here on this planet? The other thing is I think about the Marines. You know, there's a story about the, these, these, kid, these kids at school. I, I remember the story I heard. And, you know, the Air Force recruiter comes out and tells all, everybody how valuable the Air Force is and who they're, you know, like how this is going to, what they're going to get if they come to work. If, you know, if they come to the Air Force, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. You're going to get this. And then the Army recruiter comes out, does the same thing, talks about how unique what you're going to get from the Army. It's different than what you get from the Air Force, and that's going to be really valuable to you. And the Navy guy comes out, does the same thing, because at the Navy, you're going to learn to swim better, whatever. You're going to get all these other things. And the Marine comes out, and he says, I doubt any of you are up to it. But if you think you are, I'm in the back of the room. That's all he said. And everybody was at his table. All the, the main guy, the people who wanted a challenge went to the back room, right? And I think that's knowing what the value of working with you is, is important to be. I guarantee you that Marine knew how to articulate the value of getting up to their standard and what kind of person you're going to be on the other end of that and how we're going to tend to that with you and what it's going to take. Now, do I want to be a Marine? No, but do I want to join fight club? Yeah, I do. And so, <laughs> you know, it might be that. And it's like, what is it that you're inviting people up to? And then how do I embody that and be consistent about that and understand what values that apply uh, appeals to and how, I can best set them up to understand. And then when somebody comes in knowing, one, what the challenge is, two, what the benefit is, and what the support is to meet the challenge, that's a different. And there are companies, we work with companies who didn't lose people. Mm. And I think that when I look out, that's part of what they have a great proposition. They're clear about what it takes to work there. They're clear about the value of making those particular sacrifices and what that person's going to get out. and and. And really, the, the final point, I think, for me is I work here with Adrian, with you, with the people at 
take new ground because it not only benefits me here, but it benefits me with my grandchildren. It benefits me with the people I work with outside of this in social environments. It, it, what I get from what we do together benefits me in other areas. Can If people can see that, if that's really a, a value they connect with, it's a lot harder to want to leave. It, mm-hmm. you know, I want to stay. Leaving, you have to chase me off if I'm really getting that kind of value. And I don't know if how often people really connect producing results with meaning and that that's really possible. And so those are the three areas that occur to me when, we, when this comes up. Yeah. As you, Adrian, as you think about that statistic, um, what's the, obviously we're speaking to leaders here. What's the advantage for a leader to actually understand that that's that statistic and, and to, um, apply it to their organization? Like what's the advantage that you have understanding that people leave leaders, not companies? Um, what's the advantage for the company or for the leader, for the employee? Yeah. What's I, I, yeah. any, I mean, I'm, I was thinking specifically about the leader, but I think there's advantages all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about one of my coaching clients at Nike and they've lost a lot of people. And, um, you know, they just got a bunch of feedback and the feedback on this team in this division wasn't good. And they've lost a whole bunch. I'll save the details, but what the person I was talking to, you know, I was just looking back at my notes from a conversation. Uh, she ranked that she ranked among the highest in three main things. My manager gives me meaningful feedback my manager has had a combo with me in the last three months about my trajectory and my manager treats me with respect. So why does she, why did she lose the least amount of people? I'd say because her, her people say that about her. Mm-hmm. And, and she's also one of the ones that connects us to a whole bunch of potential clients. So there's something generous about her um, as a leader, despite chaos that she keeps showing up with them in mind. So it goes back to your the analogy you made about there's three guys laying brick. One's just laying brick. The other one's building a wall when you ask them. And the third one's building a cathedral. Yeah. Right? The one who's building a cathedral, not only is getting the brick laid, but there's a whole world around that that's meaningful that people want to be around. Right. And, and that yeah. would be what she's up to. <laughs> That's what she's up to. That's right. I mean, and she's willing to speak to the, she's willing to speak to the reality. That's a part of what makes her genius is that she's, she's willing to do both. Like she's very people centric, very optimistic, and also willing to talk about what the real challenges really are. So she articulates the issues that are going on mm-hmm. below her in a way that they feel safe. They feel safe because, Oh, my leader gets what I'm going through. And, and she's here to fight for what's next. She's not doing ho-hum, let's blame the organization. She's actually saying, okay, on my team, this is our work together, on my team, this is where we're going. And we're going to wait and we're going to figure, let, let them figure stuff out. All the things, she does this beautifully, all the things that are outside of her control, she actually lets that happen. And, and she speaks into it, vision up. She speaks vision up. She also speaks responsibility down. So she's responsible for everything that happens on her team, regardless of what's happening in the environment. 
And, and so the benefit for her is actually she's aiming at what she has control over instead of complaining about what she doesn't have control over. And they feel that they actually feel seen, feel heard, feel empathized with, feel understood as they voted on this feedback, feel respected because she gets it. So she's not like, oh, it's going to get better. I, we don't know if it's going to get better. We really don't know. But here's what you can expect from me either way. You know, and that is a stand and that's a commitment. And I mean, it show, I mean, so I, and I was just thinking with this as well. I don't know that we ever get to an age that we really don't want or need mentors. And like, I, I, I hope I never get to that point where it's like, I feel like I've got to figure it out. And I think, I think there's something there's, you know, there's something innate with us where we actually want to be around you know, people that get where we are and get us and get where we're going and affirm what that is and feel support and feel advocacy. I think it's a lot of, you know, kind of the, quote unquote magic in the coaching space is like, you know, we can generate the environment with our clients where they actually feel like, Oh, okay, this person gets me and they're fighting for me and they want my best and great. You know, the manager, the, the 75% of people leave, they don't leave organizations, they leave managers. So those that 75% that left the manager, I'm guessing something about that was missing. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like, oh, my manager doesn't even get who I am. They don't care that much about me. I'm just a cog in the wheel. Or my manager hasn't helped me make this, you know, Dan was talking about that story. And we were just talking to a, a potential client this morning around how to, how to have, how people, there's three different types of people that might be doing the exact same, th same thing if you watch them, but to them, they're doing three very different things. One guy, you walk up to him, he's just laying bricks ask him what he's doing. He's just laying bricks. He turned the corner. The other guy says, Oh, I'm building this wall. And so he's got a little bit more of a bigger vision. The other guy is, is laying bricks, but he's building a cathedral. And so he he's connected to meaning in such a way that he's going to be inspired. He's not just laying bricks. He's creating a space where people get to connect to the most vital conversations they could ever have mm -hmm. um, around their own spirituality, around their own development, around their own future, around their own legacy. That's what he's doing. Now they're all laying bricks, but one guy's, you know, building a legacy. One guy's just clocking in and clocking out. Now that's up to the person that's, that's doing the, the bricklaying about, because all that's available and a great leader is connecting the dots between daily tasks and, and future worth having. So my the impact of that is profound if you think about it in this way. If I get I'm building a cathedral, one of the things about building a cathedral, because I've done some research in that area, it takes generations in the, you know, if you go back like Notre Dame, took generations to build, hundreds mm -hmm. of years. So they start 150, 200 years. So they, they, they actually plant the, the oak trees and take care of them that are eventually going to be the trusses and, and you know, for the roof, for the ceiling. And if the guys planting the trees don't have a sense of what they're doing and its impact on the long term, they may quit because why am I planting this stupid tree? We're never going to use it. The, the thing's going to take, I'll be dead before they get the walls up. But for a guy building a cathedral, he's passing something on to the next generation, and he's yeah. going to take care of those key, those those trees because they contribute to the ongoingness of the community and build that opportunity for them to, as you say, have a place to where they can have the most 
powerful conversations that are going to open up and close, they open up meaning in their lives, right? And that, that's a big deal. So, and I think, you know, I've, I've had conversations with leaders about this and they'll say, well, that just sounds too cheesy yeah. to talk like that. Well, it might be for you because you haven't really made those connections. So don't try doing it till you make them for you. But yeah. if you make them for you, you can say them for others, right? Yeah. What for clarity? What sounds cheesy to them? Like that to, to speak the we're vision instead of what we're doing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is an infinite game. I'm not. I'm like me and Adrian and Mark and we, you, we've talked about this. That what we're building here, we plan on passing into our children if they want it, and other you know other guys coming along and women who are committed to this work who are younger. If we do our work well, we've got something that's going to go on and we'll have something to pass on something mm -hmm. that they'll be proud to be part of. Right. But that requires a stewarding of the conversation of the narrative of what is the meaning right and on. what are we really aiming at here at to collectively and how is what you're aiming at making a difference or not for you and for the organization. Right. Like that's, those are vital conversations that are they have to have tension in them or they wouldn't be vital. They quicken us. They they bring us to the surface because you can't just have that in a half-ass way. Right? Yeah. If somebody's really clear about well, if I'm here because this means a lot to me and I got some guy guy or gal next to me who's just dicking around because they're trying to pass time to the next thing they're going to do, that's going to show up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to invest a lot there because I'm going to be disappointed and they're not, they're going to be crushed because they're not going to be able to carry the weight. Yeah. Dan, I think this is what you're aiming towards, or this is what at least whatever. Why my question is, let's just be explicit about why people, why good talent wants to work for the cathedral builder and not the bricklayer. Yeah. Well, horizon. <laughs> You know, as I was thinking about this, it's so I'll answer that question by also connecting with the previous one and why what's hidden. So I think what's hidden is, you know, great managers are managing and generating results. Great leaders are building great people. Mm -hmm. And so you're generating being is why that's cheesy. It's like, oh, that's not my job. Well, okay, well, get ready for some turnover. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise you're just using folks. You're just, you're just, you're just using them to get the thing done. Yeah. And that's, and that, you know what? Some people sign up for that, but great, you know, to your question, like top talented people want to be around people that they want to be like. You know, like, like, oh, I got, I, I mean, there's a, in the Harrison assessment, there's always that that score around once incapable leader, mm -hmm. which is an indicator of what needs to be happening above me so that I, that generates for me trust with this person, confidence in this person, um, uh, you know, engagement with this person. And uh, almost everybody we work with has a really high score of once a capable leader. And, 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 and at the same time, I kind of went through, cause that was really interesting to me as well. They usually have an extremely high score and wants development. Yeah. They, yeah. they want a great leader and they want development and that they go together. That's right. Dan, I think you might be further away from your microphone, maybe. 
You're getting a little bit quieter. No problem. Yeah. So top, so top, you know, high performers always want to be finding an edge. And so people that are actually listening to them and pointing out things that they don't see, I mean, top performers are really usually pretty self-aware. Um, so who's going to help me find what, what's blind for me. And so like a really great leader that actually isn't just using me to get something done. They're actually seeing me and want me to develop. You know, I think that's why. Um, cause if, if, if I'm working with somebody that's just using me, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to last. I'm not going to want to be there because I get that, that, that I'm, I, this person is just using me to pad their own, you know, uh, pad their own wallet or use me to look good to the boss or use me to fill in the blank instead of actually, Oh, like treating them like somebody like family. Well, you know, I, I, I really care about, I have actually worked with someone like who I got treated me like a tool, but I wanted to work for them. Because I knew if I learned what they knew, I could go on. And I had a vision that was bigger than just being a tool. Right. But for a while, I remember thinking to myself, this is worth it. I'm, they're competent at what they're doing. I want to learn what they're doing. And I have an idea that's beyond what they're talking about. But I want to learn what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, it's like an exchange. But you're right. I'm not going to be long. I'm going to be there till I learn it. I'm going to exchange. And I'm going to do my best because I want to do well. And then I'm going to go off and use it. And and. I remember thinking to myself, my wife, my wife actually said, you know, you're just a tool to this person. And I said, yeah, is there a problem with that? She goes, well, why would you want to do that? I said, well, because I'm learning. They're very competent and I want to learn that. Mm. Right? So people will do that. They'll come along and then they'll want to move on. And if I, if I see them as a tool, that won't bother me or I won't even pick it up. But if I'm looking for character, that I'll pick up. Right? If that makes sense. How can that be? I turned it off. <laughs> yeah, you did. One, one of the the other question that I have is I, I love I, I like that we brought up this analogy because it's I think it's been really um uh, it's been really useful to kind of illustrate some of this stuff. So I'm gonna keep it going and hopefully people aren't tired of it. But what how will when we think about the leader who's either building a cathedral or laying the bricks, how do resources show up differently for those two leaders? Like what, um, what's their experience in when there is a challenge or something like that? And they, and they need resources in order to help go through the challenge. Um, what's typically the experience of the two different leaders? Well, if someone's just, if someone's just laying bricks um, and that's all they're doing is just doing the job, they're probably going to want to find ways to relieve themselves from that experience. And this is where my head goes first anyway, is that if I'm, if I'm here called to a really big mission, then I'm going to tend to be much more generous with my resources and I'm going to be connected. I mean, if I'm, if I'm playing a big game, then I need my team to be well-resourced. And I need a really vibrant team because I get the interdependencies. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, so that's the first thing. Second thing, I'm actually going to be asking my team on a regular basis about what they need. If I'm just here to, you know, get my job done and go home, 
that I actually don't want to know what's needed below me. Cause that's just more problems that I don't want to solve. Yeah. yeah. You know, but if I'm here doing something big and playing a long game then I want to know what's missing below me so I can integrate that conversation, call them to responsibility as well. Cause I believe in them and I want them to develop and their needs actually are big opportunities for great conversations and training and engagement and interdependencies and collaboration, all the stuff we say we want. I'm going to go search out where the need for resources um, and then be very much more connected to the people that actually, you know, are responsible for going and getting that. Some of it might come from me. They might resource one another. So, you know, it's a just more of a natural, I think, generous and interdependent relationship versus scarce and threatened relationship. There's something greater at stake, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we don't figure this out, if we're up against this challenge and we don't figure this out, we don't get a cathedral. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that, yeah. So persistence and flexibility are, are correlated to horizon. Mm. So my persistence and my flexibility, when I come up against very tough obstacles and I persist, I persist because the horizon I'm aiming at is worth persisting. And I'm willing to be flexible because the, the idea of not attaining that horizon is worth breaking myself over. It's worth getting off of maybe quitting something that I'm persistent on and trying something new because I get that isn't working. I, I'm much more uh, available as a resource to what's going on. More patient, I might add, as well, which makes me more resourceful because I'm really listening from that future rather than just preserving my momentary comfort which I think you hit Adrian, that's what you were talking about on that. But that's the first thing I wrote down is persistence and flexibility are correlated to horizon. Mm. Yeah, I love it. This has been a great conversation. We're winding, uh, we're, we're, getting, we're running out of time. Um, and, and I just wanted to, I, I love that this one was kind of short and sweet, but you know, it's just so powerful to know that I was, I, I was in a, a master, uh, a mastermind. I, I, I help run a little mastermind group here in their local area of business owners. And it's a place where we can all bring challenges to the table and get perspective. And um, it's a really, really powerful group and everybody comes to the table and I, I love being a part of it. And there was this um, business owner who was, who she owns a pastry, um, a pastry shop, a couple of them, and she's killing it. And her head pastry chef is bringing, is bringing the culture down. I mean, she's, she's angry. She's upset. She's frustrated. She's always negative, all of that kind of stuff. And the question she brought to the, to the table was, you know, it's going to be so challenging for me right now to find another head pastry chef, especially one this talented and this uh, experienced, but everybody hates working for her. And the, the consensus across the table was get rid of her. Like get, if you've exhausted all possibility of communication and you feel like she's not up for the gig, no matter how difficult it's going to be to find another person who fits your culture, you're sacrificing the entire culture. You're going to lose your great, you're going to lose your sous chef and your, I don't know if they call him sous chef in the bakery. 
I would say, ask her how she feels about losing everybody else. Right, right on. Eventually, isn't that what happens? Yeah. That's exactly the realization that she came to in the meeting. And it was then it was no question, right? Um, so that was that was such a great conversation, eye-opening for me is like the impact. Obviously, I know the impact of leadership in an organization, but that was like really visceral for me. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about that, but I really appreciate everything that came up in this conversation. Any final thoughts? Um, let's see what's I mean, if most people that are listening to this, you, you're probably, you're probably in leadership if you're listening to this. So, um, you know, as, as most of our stuff here, we, I mean, this is, this is naked leadership where it's, it's an opportunity for us to look in the mirror. It's opportunity for us to see how we're doing, you know, cause, and you're somewhere, I mean, people that, that work for you already have an opinion about you and it might be, might, things might be going great. Um, there might be folks that are on the way on their, on their way out and they just haven't told you yet. And, you know, everybody gets to, gets to own if they care about that or not. But if this is true, then a big, if they're leaving, there might be 75% of people leave because of who they report to. So if you've got folks reporting to you, it's probably a good thing just to go check in. Hey, how are we doing? How am I doing as a manager? How am I doing as a leader? Anything that you've needed that you haven't brought up to me, I'd love to hear it. Anything I'm doing that bugs you? Like what's working and what's not working in our relationship for you? And folks usually don't want to answer that. But if you can create the conversation around it, like saying, hey, I re- I'm here to learn and grow. I'm not done growing. I'm going to be growing until I die. So I'd love to hear anything. And if I don't want anything to get in the way of our relationship. So if, you know, if, as, as leaders listening to this, and even as, you know, convicted here, is like, I would just go inquire and see how things are going. And there might be folks that are leaving for other reasons. And that's also good to get connected to, because then they'll leave with a good taste in their mouth that you cared about them, even as they're going, maybe they're taking on some kind of new opportunity. Maybe they've had life transition. They need to go maybe whatever, but to like, as a leader, you're, I mean, the opportunity here is to get ahead of the conversation and go be in the conversation in an over real way and be a leader in it. And that's going to, you know, it, cause if, if they've got poor opinions of you now and they're not being said to you, they're definitely being said to somebody mm. and that's, that's going to be caustic. So if you jump in the conversation, responsible growth mindset type way, uh, you might be able to save them. Um, or you might definitely leave with a, um, a great experience on the way out. So that's my final charge there. Mm. Anything else, Dan? Yeah, Adrian reminded me of a quote from Martin Luther King, which is, our leadership begins to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And I think that's really the bottom line. I The leadership ends the day I start to be silent about the things that matter most. Mm. Of, I think he said our lives end, but I, I inserted leadership. Yeah. Love it. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Fantastic as always. Appreciate both both of you. Awesome. Bye-bye, everybody. friends thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the naked leadership podcast your listenership and commitment to the podcast 
means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.